Well, uh, we're back. I mean, really, Jimmy's back. I don't think the other other ones of us went anywhere. Jimmy was at WorkbenchCon. WorkbenchCon. And he came back without a voice. Yeah, I talked a lot. I also got off the plane with a little bit of a cold. I went on feeling okay, got off with a little bit of a cold and and talked all weekend. Mm. And then when I got home... You sound great. Yeah, this this is my new voice. (laughs) My grovelly New Yorker. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a wonderful time. We really, 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 really everybody. It was a really certain special, something special. Everybody felt it in the air. There was something special about this one. A lot mm. of lovey dovey conversations, a lot of tears, and you know, it's almost I guess feels like we're getting back to normal. Versus the last one that we were all at was right after COVID. So everybody, you know, there was we had to get tested. There was all sorts of requirements that nobody did, but. I vaguely remember we had to be positive tests before we went, and nobody did it. But there was negative a, tests. So, yeah, <laughs> you can only come if you have COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the COVID convention. COVID yeah. benchcon. No, so um, this one just seemed a little bit more relaxed, and everybody was a little bit more relaxed, and also there was a lot more people. It seemed like it was much more crowded. Hmm. So it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of new new faces and uh, a lot of second year faces that I've seen from last year to this year. And it was fun. I kept myself busy at the Total Boat booth. Total Boat asked me if I would play around a little bit with some stuff just to do some demos. And it was fun for me. They, they were afraid that they were inhibiting my time. And I said, it's perfect for me because I can bury my head in a project chit chat with people they feel like they're wasting my time because i'm busy with my hands and they walk away so it's like the perfect mix of (laughs) people seeing me do something ask a few technical questions talk a little bit about the tv show and so it was fun Hmm. so it was it was actually it worked out great but there was obviously plenty of time just wandering around and there was a couple of funny instances whenever derek and i fly together now people recognize us together and we got i'll tell you a funny story we got to the airport and it was packed. I was traveling with Derek and his wife because Derek's daughter lives in Atlanta. So Christina was coming with us and she was going to go straight to her daughter's house. But we got to the airport and it was packed. We got there like six in the morning and it looked like everybody in Boston was going somewhere. And we didn't think we were going to make it. It was so crowded. So we get on the TSA check, whatever the, the green check line is, and that was still crowded. We had a TSA pre-check and it was everybody was so tense and afraid they were going to miss and we were in the line we were both really nervous and some guy without any niceties or anything just goes i need a picture with you my son's gonna kill me if i don't get a picture with you it just immediately goes right into it he's on the other side of the band and we go all right everybody all of a sudden me and derek are all smiles and his wife's laughing at us and the guy takes our picture and 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 everybody around us is like why do they want? Why does he want your picture? Who is? Who are you? And Derek goes, "We're both very famous on Netflix. You're gonna have to look it up." And then they all sort of murmur to each other, and then we just like turned and went back to waiting in line nervously. And then, then I burst out laughing because it was so funny. It was like this big hoopla that was about 15 seconds long, and then we just both went back to just being regular nervous airline travelers. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And we did get recognized about four or five times during the trip together. It was cute. One time by a little group of boys that were all brothers. It's just like your family, Bob. It was four, three boys and one girl. And they were all little. Like The oldest was like eight and the youngest was like two. And they were eating ice cream outside this place. And the kid says, and I see them looking at me. And I go, I go, you recognize me? I said it like kind of harshly. And they goes, yeah, you're the guy from the TV show. <laughs> you're mean. <laughs> yeah. And then the kid's parents come out and they go, what's going on? And they go, they're on TV, and they go, "You are." Like the parents didn't know us. It was they were very funny. We had a really funny chat, and the kid points at me and goes, "He's the depressed mean one." <laughs> oh man! Oh man! It was really man! Funny. And the cutest part of it all. There's the title of our show, Bob. Yeah, the depressed <laughs> mean one. And the cutest part was this tiny little girl. She must have been a year old or two years old. She was just walking, eating ice cream. And as they're walking away, we said goodbye. We took some pictures, and she turns and she goes, "I like when the unicorn farted." And then she just kind of scrambled away with her mother and father. <laughs> That's awesome. I did not think not that adorable. the kid even acknowledged what we were even talking about. She was so young, and then when she just came out with her own opinion, it was so cute. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Besides that, WorkbenchCon was a lot of fun. It was a lot of a uh, lot of like I said, a lot of hugs and love and chit chat and and a couple of talks were really good. 
I, Derek and Paul and I talked about our experience on the TV show and the, the nuances of from the beginning to the end in the process. And that went over well. And uh, yeah, it was just a great weekend. Like I said, a lot of new friends. And I got to meet some good brands. I made some friendships at Festool. I don't know what that's going to lead to, but met some people there and a few other brands. And it was, I uh, renewed my friendship with Carhartt. The people That's that cool. run the Carhartt Marketing invited me out to dinner, which was very nice of them. And we had a nice time. Uh, Gwendolyn is her name. She was really cool. And, uh, yeah, just re-upping. Re-upping on old friendships, making some new ones. I'm going nice. to drink some Excellent. lemon with tea with right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> David, what have you been up to? This week we are working on taking an old goodwill 80s side table and turn it into something <clears throat> excuse me something a little bit more modern you remember to me it's the 80s where you would see a lot of red oak very bulky extreme rounded corner mm, furniture yeah i remember a lot of like it's oaky, one of those oaky grain in the 80s e- yeah Light, not not um, dark like kind of like yellow yellow oaky grain exactly yeah so we found one of these tables at the Goodwill, and the legs are solid oak, and then the, the top part is all veneered. So we're taking that, we're making it look less bulky, a little bit more Pachuto style. I don't want to give too much away for two reasons. One, I don't want to give the video away, and two, I don't have it completely figured out. So um, that's what we're, we're going to finish up that tomorrow, and maybe that video will come out this weekend, maybe next week. Not, not sure. There's a lot going on. But um, the sliding crosscut table is working really good. That video is starting to really take off. And man, that thing is, it, it is a dream. It's, I don't quite trust it yet. It's like, hmm. because it's not a factory built thing, I keep expecting it to not cut 90 or not work. But so I'm always checking my, my cuts afterwards and it, and it keeps on, keeps on working. Hmm. So eventually I'll learn to trust it. But that one. It is it's such a pleasure to use. I'm going to talk about it in every video for the next 50 videos. <laughs> That's great. That's it. Yeah. And um, they're almost done with the renovations here at the house. Maybe another another week. So next week I might have my office back. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you're still in the room the, that doesn't have a name. The Great Hall. Is that what we call it? Yeah. Yeah. The gra- I'm, in, I'm in the Great Hall. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be yeah. nice to get, Studio, get your Studio house back. C. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be nice to get your house back to your own. Get everybody out of there. Oh yeah. Um, Dogs are anxious did, all the time. Did you all have any any damage from all of the storms and stuff that came through last week? Did that come to you? We got not not really. Um, we got lots and lots of rain, and then we have we have a lot of trees on our property, and half of them are partly dead so mm-hmm. every time there's a storm there's a ton of branches to clean up gotcha yeah there was here, tornado warnings in atlanta it was pretty nerve-wracking for a couple minutes yeah well here we had uh, i guess last friday we had rain all day long like solid lots and lots of rain and the ground was just completely saturated which is normal and it's not a huge deal but then on saturday it was crazy windy like 70 mile an hour kind of windy oh and so uh there was lots of damage lots of just wind damage and lots of trees that because the ground was saturated certain trees with shallow roots got completely upended some of them just broke right in the middle like just splinter a tree which is crazy to me that like a you know 12 inch round tree can just break in the middle but um we didn't have any damage at the house but we lost a big tree out of the farm it fell. It didn't fall on anything, but it's a thing I have to go clean up now. <laughs> it's just like, I don't mm. know, probably 60, 70 foot tall tree I have to go out and cut up and move and stuff. But at the office, we lost, um, like, the outside walls of the building are, are block walls that go up above the roof. It's a flat roof, and so they, I guess you call that a parapet wall something you know kind of short wall that goes up above the roof did they blow over well no they had flashing on the top of them that 
the wind came in from one direction and it blew all of the flashing on one side of the building off the top of this wall. And most of it was still around. Some of it blew away. Most of it was still around. So I, it, you know, I looked at it and was looking at the shape and we tried to take some measurements of it because I was going to aluminum flashing. You can kind of do that yourself. And so I started kind of looking at it and was thinking about how I would go about bending these. This is probably, I don't know, the building's probably 100 feet front to back. And so it's most of that length. So it's a lot of flashing to fold uh, in, you know, in eight foot sections, maybe not 100 feet. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but it's a lot. And, you know, to bend that stuff, you have to have like a eight, 10 foot section. You have to have a way to fold that along that length twice so that it will wrap around the top cap of a wall. So I started thinking about how to do this, looked up some videos, you know, you kind of use two by fours and two by sixes to make a, a little break to do that stuff with. And I was about to start doing it myself. And I'm like, well, I'll just call some roofing companies here just to see if, um, you know, they're going to be super busy right now, but maybe we can get somebody over there to look at it because it's supposed to rain again this weekend. So I don't want to leave that exposed, right? So as I'm calling this company, I could only get one on the phone. And when I got this one on the phone, I was talking to the lady. She was super helpful, told her what I needed. She said, we can't get out there until Friday. The rain is supposed to hold off until Friday night, so it should be okay. And she said, well, is there any other, other than this flashing coming off, do you have any other damage to your roof? And I said, well, we have a few leaks in the flat roof, but I, I don't know if those have been there or if they're new. We can get to those later because they don't cause a problem. They're just, I know they're, they're there. And she said, well, if we're submitting to insurance for the work that we would do to fix the flashing, we can look for other problems and try to get it all wrapped up in one cost. Ooh, and it, so what was really interesting about that, though, the whole reason I'm bringing this up is because I had a conversation yesterday with somebody about how my attitude towards most things is like, I mean, I can do it. You know, I can figure it out. It's, it's not a big deal. And with the flashing thing, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I can do it, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it the right way long term, that it's completely sealed up and it's going to keep all the wind and the rain out forever and ever and ever. I could do a, a kind of a stopgap solution. So I'll just call these people to see if I can figure it out. Now, that person in that industry with like institutional knowledge knew that they could make something better for me by them doing the work. Like she pointed out that thing and I was like, oh yeah, insurance. Didn't even think about that. Huh. <laughs> and fix other problems. And she won my business right there. And I thought that was really interesting at, for no particular reason, but just the fact that my willingness to learn new things can sometimes maybe not be the best option. Like I could get it done. I could make it work. But somebody who has that kind of domain knowledge of a thing, they have a lot more to offer than just doing the work. You know, they know how the systems work and who they have to work with and what the timetables are. And so that was kind of interesting. I need to probably not, not learn things like that on my own, but at least explore them a little bit more before I jump in, you know, and just be like, I don't know, let's give it a shot. On a smaller scale, a lot of times things don't get done because I think I can do them or it's going to cost too much to have somebody else do it. Like we want a ceiling fan in the one room and I'm like, I'll figure it out. And then two years go by. I haven't even looked into it to figure it out <laughs> when we could have just paid somebody yeah. a couple hundred dollars to come and install a ceiling fan. So uh, I know the feeling very well. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's easy for me to have that, that idea or that approach to things when um oh it looks like probably one of the roofing people is calling me right now but i'm not gonna answer it sorry you missed your chance um <laughs> like with the engine on a land cruiser like i mean i could maybe figure that out. i don't know if i could figure that out or not but as an example that's something that i could probably figure out with friends and family and other people's you know knowledge i could make it happen and whatever over the course of like eight years to rebuild an engine on my own. Or I could just like pay somebody that knows what they're doing and then it's done. And then I can trust, you know, you were talking about not trusting that 
that sled that you made yet. Like, I know that when I get my vehicle back from the shop that rebuilt the engine, because they're a machine shop, because they rebuild hundreds and hundreds of engines, I'm going to trust that it's going to work. Whereas if I did it myself, I would be like, I don't know, man, this turn might be the last one I ever make, you know. So Mm-mm. I thought it was kind of interesting just to, you know, not be not confident in trying something and just realizing that sometimes I may miss out on an opportunity for something to be done better simply because I want to give it a shot myself. So there's probably some value in exploring those things, getting all of the information and then deciding whether I should do it or somebody else. But it's funny you mentioned the roof leaks because last week during the storms, the contractor here was like, Hey, I'm sure you already know this, but your, your roof is leaking. And I was like, no, that's a brand new roof. It was brand new two years Mm. ago. It shouldn't be leaking. And so in my head, I build this up. I'm like, all right, we got a, it's a 50 year warranty on the roof. So I'm like, I got to call up the roofing company. There's going to be a fight. It's going to take forever. And it's, it's just going to be a huge hassle. I call them up. They send somebody out the very next morning, a, a, a tree limb hit the, uh, hit the shingle in the right way and just poked a hole in it, a hole in it. And they just fixed it. Hmm. But for, in my head, I was like building this up to be this big thing. And it was going to be a fight. And they were like, no problem. We'll be over right away and we'll fix it. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that's the sign of a really good, you know, company that stands by their their work. Anthony had a similar thing. He got a new roof when they bought their house a couple years ago, and pretty soon after, they had a leak around some flashing or something like that. And he was kind of had the same idea, and he started looking in how to fix it himself. And I think all of us were having a conversation. We were like, "It's got to be under warranty, right? It's like six months old or something." And it was the same kind of deal. They sent. I think the owner of the company and somebody else came out that afternoon and took care of it on the spot. Like they had what they needed with them. They fixed it and, you know, it like wasn't a big deal. And that's the kind of company you would tell your friends about. Like you need a roof, go to these people yeah. because they're going to keep up with it. So, but um, other than the roof stuff, which I still haven't really figured out, but hopefully it will work itself out. Um, I've been working on... Um, so I, I recently got the the PSVR, the PlayStation VR headset, the VR2. And I know this is something neither one of you will have any interest in, so I haven't talked about it. But <laughs> I've never bought a VR headset. I've only played one once or twice. I played a few times. It's fun. And so, like, I was – I'm a fan of the PlayStation, and so I was waiting for this one to come out because it was like, if I'm going to buy one, I want to get – I want to, you know – Picked the one that I want, waited for it to come out and be final and everything, and then I got it a couple weeks ago. I got it like a week before everybody else got it because I pre-ordered early, which is really cool. And it is amazing. It is, it's ridiculous. Um, but so I've been playing that a little bit, which is cool because I usually can't justify playing video games. But I've been playing it, and I realized I that, can't justify having fun. Well, you when know, there's work to do all the time. I mean, kind of, yeah. But also, I have a bunch of kids who also like to play video games, and if I play them, then that means, you know, they're going to bug me about it, and then I have to either tell them no, or I have to let them play, and whatever. Anyway, so I've been playing it a little bit after they go to bed, and uh, I realized very quickly that these VR headsets are just a weird thing to store. Like, they don't fit well on anything and the controllers are not normal controllers with the flat spot on the bottom that can sit on these things are little rings with handle things sticking out of them like they just don't it's a weird set of stuff to figure out how to store uh and i bought a charger uh for the controllers that they sit in and it's all curvy and round and has you know has a flat bottom but that's about it everything else is a curve so i decided to uh, make some sort of a holder for the controllers and for the headset that could keep it all mounted in one place. And then I started building out a list of all the things that I wanted it to do. I wanted it to be how I wanted it to look. And as we were talking about it, I'm like, I don't know that this video makes any sense for anybody else because somebody would have to have this exact one and then um, want to have a stand for it that works the same way as mine. And also have the tools and stuff to make it. Anyway, so it ended up turning, the video ended up turning into, let's talk about how you design something. When you have a set of needs, how do you get to the solution? 
And it was really fun because it made me step back and write down what I normally, what all of us normally do in our heads without really thinking about it. You know, I wrote down a list of like, who is the consumer? It's me in this case, but like, you have to define that. What does that person want? What are you trying to solve for them? Making a list of all the things that the object needs to do or be or not do or whatever, all these constraints. And then started with cardboard and made a couple cardboard prototypes of the thing and would always go back to those lists of requirements and check against the list and then made an MDF version and then another MDF version and then added some 3D printing and then added some CNC and ended up with a really, what I think is a very minimal, very nice, perfectly fit mount for these things that can be either, you know, sit on a desk or be screwed to a wall. And it's in and of itself, the thing is like not impressive or not it doesn't move. It doesn't do anything. It's just a holder specifically made for a piece of hardware. But it was really fun to like actually think about the entire process and have to say it out loud rather than just, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of times we keep all of those process things in our head about what it's supposed to do and, you know, what we care about when we're designing something for us versus somebody else and all that stuff. So it was kind of cool to say that stuff out loud. Hopefully the video will work. We haven't finished the edit yet, so I'm not sure if it's, you know, if it will come across in the right way. <laughs> Hopefully it will. <laughs> uh, but I ended up with a thing that solved a problem that I had, so that's that's what I did. We've done that a couple times. About a year ago, I, I needed a big synth rack for all of my audio gear, and I'm like, nobody's going to want this or people who are in the synthesizers aren't woodworkers. So I, I did the same thing. It was more about the design process. And it's <clears throat> it's a good exercise for yourself because you're mm-hmm. like, oh, the, I'm trying to look, look into new ways of making videos that have a deeper meaning than the final project. Right. And, I, you know, and we all want to do more of that because we are looking to expand our the way we show or teach and sure and inspire and it's just i remember thinking the whole time making this video i'm like this feels weird this is not how i normally do things this video is it's totally gonna tank and and, and all this and it did fine it didn't do extraordinarily w- well but it did fine but it was cool to approach a normal project to us but in a but looking at it at a different angle so w- with that being the idea of that video how did you go about uh, letting people know what it was going to be? Did you did you tell them in the thumbnail and title that it was something different, or did you just say yeah. it? In the uh, in in the thumbnail, I don't remember what the title is, but in the thumbnail, it shows a sketch, like a pencil sketch of the thing, and I think there's a tape measure and a pencil in mm. there, and it's like, and it's something about designing, and then. A lot of the video was just like measuring the space. Like a lot of times we don't show measuring the space that we need to sure. custom build into something. And uh, yeah, just a totally different way of approaching a project. Yeah. Which I think as co- as content creators, it's something that we got to think about more and more because there's already a million project builds out there. So you got to you got to figure out how to how to do them a little bit different. Yeah, and if the object you're building is not mass appeal, then you've got to figure out another way for it yeah. to be mass interesting, you know, which I think is kind yeah. of where I landed. So that's, you know, getting the video made, planning it, saying it, shooting it, all that stuff is one thing. And then we got to the the question that I asked you is like, how do you tell people who you want to watch it? How do you tell them what it is? How do you explain that? Do you not explain it and you hijack them? That doesn't seem like that's going to work because if they don't care about the VR thing and they don't care about a stand, then they're not going to watch it anyway. So it's been interesting to try to figure out how to make the thumbnail and the title in a way that will both hook people who are interested in the in the hardware itself, people who are interested in the design process, both of those people at the same time who may be the same people, but maybe not. Like, I have no clue. Um, and so that's been another interesting set of conversations and you know how do we shoot the thumbnail and what's the important icon to show and what's the biggest thing on the screen and it's just like it's There's become a of, such a, a conversation about thumbnails and titles that 
workbench con. Some guys yeah. have it all figured out. It's crazy. It's it's a whole thing in and of itself now. Which it is, seems to be coming the thing. Yeah, which is very very frustrating. But that's <laughs> it was a whole the other conversation. Of conversation <laughs> in every every circle. I'm sure. It's a really big, big part of what we do now, unfortunately. Um, I kind of hate that about it, but yeah. it is what it is. Um, we, we had an email that you sent, and I wanted to kind of answer it just so we can knock it off the list. Um, who was this from? From Jason. I don't know how to say your last name, Jason. It looks really cool, but I don't know how to say it. <laughs> uh, but Jason asked about if we had a list of all of the picks that we've had over the years in every episode, they are in the show notes. And if you go to makingitpodcast.com, you can find all the show notes. They should be showing up in your podcast player as well, but I can't promise that every pod- podcast player is going to show them the same way or you get to them the same way, but they should all be there. But the question was specifically about a website that generates geometric shape based on text parameters. We talked about this before we started recording, and we came up with two different things. <laughs> so I don't know which one it is, but these are both awesome. <laughs> David remembered blocklayer.com. I think that was it, because I remember asking the same question to you guys a few okay. days later. And just to refresh, Blocklayer is this crazy collection of calculators and uh, template builders. And like just looking at the homepage... Just to give you an idea, you can generate uh, calculators for wall framing, deck calculators. You can get gazebo plans that are parametric, fence calculators, tank volume dip charts, whatever those are. Um, And then uh, all the way down, there's like, you can figure out geometry, pitch, angle stuff, uh, rebar spacing over the length and and weight. Uh, You can make custom gauges. There's all sorts of stuff here. It's not. And you, somebody was making a dial for like a cal, like a. Somebody was yeah. making like an RPM dial or a speed dial. One of you guys. That's what you used it for. Yeah. This is like the. Uh, I was gonna say like a Walmart of interesting, useful things, but it's more of like a shopping mall. It is all over the place, and you can export all these to PDF and SVG and all sorts of stuff. So that's one. That's probably what he was talking about. The other really cool one that we've talked about before is templatemaker.nl and this makes uh, from what it looks like all 3D templates foldable paper packaging templates and like you can make a paper milk carton by putting in all the parameters uh, the you know length width, width height roof height top flap and then when you hit create it gives you a PDF of that thing that you can print out and cut and fold to make a 3D shape. So I think I used this one time to figure out a really weird sized cone, like a like a funnel kind of shape that I needed. I can't remember what that was for. But anyway, both really cool sites. I'll put links to both of them in the show notes that you can find at makingapodcast.com. <laughs> and uh, so you can I like- use these. The, the the template maker.nl there's no ads on the site there you don't have to sign up i just you hit create and it just downloads a pdf what is backing this site uh, aliens i don't know yeah there's no aliens yeah huh it's made in holland so maybe they're just really cool in holland really nice says at the bottom probably okay at the bottom it says i charge nothing for the templates i don't ask for registration on my site either yes this site is a lot of work if you'd like to support my work buy me a coffee there you go there you go so all right go buy mh vanderveld who's the creator a coffee um so that's those two things to answer that uh the other thing we were going to talk about is that jimmy got a new Microphone? Is that what you got? Oh, well, I got... <clears throat> <laughs> you sound like a little old lady. It's awesome. <laughs> what Hello. I got was... It's getting worse. It's getting worse. No, you know what? I, Bob, you remember last year when we were in England together? Because I remembered you reminded me we were in England together. And I had the little DJI set up. It was the DJI yes. microphone set. It's the... I don't know what the model number is, but if you type in DJI cordless microphone, it's the only thing that's selling this. 
And there's, I noticed there's a lot of this. I know Shore makes one. There's a few of them. But I was just playing with it recently in the last couple of days. And what I was doing when we were in England, and I shot a bunch of footage and I never edited it. Maybe one day I will. I was interviewing people with the baby microphone. But the baby microphone was plugged into one of the the lavaliers. So the the reason I'm bringing this up is because I showed it to a couple of friends recently and they were blown away and we've all we're all kind of jaded. So I thought it might be interesting to talk a little bit about audio technology. And this DJI audio technology, it comes in a little box and you flip it open, all the parts are all charging in the little charge box. And it seems to immediately hook up. I did find out though on this trip because I brought my DJI One, the original action camera from DJI. The DJI action camera One does not work with this microphone. Just a little side note. Hmm. It does, but you need a little patch cord, which I ended up just buying on Amazon. I was going to do interviews when I got there and do this type of thing that I did when we were in England, but it turns out I just never got into it and immediately just started getting into the socializing and I never pulled out the microphone. So I didn't use it but I did play with it on the trip. And I was just bringing it up to ask you guys, what technical microphone setup do you guys have? And Bob, do you use wireless? You tend to talk a lot on mic, and I mean, Dave, you do too. <laughs> tend to talk a lot. Um, yeah, people tell me I talk too much. Yeah. No, 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 I mean, like I don't, you know, for me, it's not quite as important unless sure. I'm doing an advertisement and then yeah. I use a sure top mounted mic, directional sure is the brand I use. We use the Rode Go mics, and it's the same kind of thing as the the DJI that you're talking about. It's right. um, these little, you know, USB C powered uh, mic. There's two mics, and then a, a receiver thing that goes on the camera that plugs in, so you can have two separate channels. You can use them one at a time, and they have a microphone on the block where you can add a lav mic. So that's what we do. So I keep the lav like tucked right underneath my. Mm-hmm. Um, collar underneath my t-shirt and we found over time that they're they're good in most cases unless I'm moving around a whole lot and then they pick up shirt noise more so like we've been working on this Arduino online course which should be out very soon by the way Um, and that's sitting at a desk and so there's really no reason to have a lav mic there because it's a controlled environment and everything but I was wearing it just because it's what we use and I found that as I lean forward to do something on the desk, even just leaning forward like a few inches is enough for my chin and my mouth to go in front of the microphone. And you can hear the difference in volume. Right. You know what I mean? Or not, It's like, it's not volume. It's like a muffled, you know, the bass is right. different and stuff. And so I think what we're going to do proximity. for... Yeah. So what we're going to do for future stuff there is actually get a, a shotgun mic for like a studio shotgun mic, not like one that you would put on top of the camera and put it on a boom arm right off of, right out of frame so that no matter where I am at the desk, it's still going to kind of pick up that stuff. Um, right. But those, the one we want to get there is, you know, several hundred dollars for a microphone that we would only use when recording courses and stuff. So that's not a big priority, but that's what we uh, use right now. Another interesting thing about I know I have no deal with DJI. I just thought it'd be interesting because every time I talk about the attributes of it, people get impressed. And if you're a content creator and you want a good microphone setup, the both of the modules for the DJI both record, I think, 15 hours of audio on their own. So you have a you have a backup oh. track. So if you're wearing the mic, you hit start, so it's recording everything. And then when you turn your camera on, it will also record onto the camera's audio track when, while you're in the record mode. But in general, if the mic on your collar is in record mode on its own, you're getting a second track independently input into that. So you will you could use the module to record anything. It doesn't even have to be connected to a camera or anything. The only problem with that is That's you just cool. have to sync up the sound. But if it's not sound you're worried about with visual, you could just record a conversation or if you're just doing like a podcast type of audio field interview you could bring that with you and just use it as that so that's another cool thing i went to a, i went to a heated board meeting last night didn't get crazy and i was like walking out the door and i was like let me just grab the little so i grabbed the one half of the kit and the, the, the conversation i didn't need to record anything but it was going to be i thought it was going to be a knockdown drag out town board meeting because there was some issues about zoning that was going on and uh so I brought it with me. I didn't use it. 
but I had it in my pocket in case a fist fight broke out. At least I can get the audio of it. Maybe oh, it would have yeah. been fun. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, we all have our iPhone, which also does the same thing. Sure. We are similar to Bob. We are using the Rode Wireless Go 2. And so it's two little two little square pucky things. And the one is just uses an audio cable that goes into the camera. And like Bob said, the one ha- the other the transmitter has a mic on it, but we use a lav. And Bob, a couple things to note is uh, so I tape the lav underneath my shirt. Two things. One, it has to be low enough so my chin doesn't cover it because it, you do get a muting effect sometimes. Yeah. So it's in the middle of my chest, usually between the nips. That's funny. Mm. I never, and I then never, there's another. I never realized this problem. This is. I'm glad we brought this up. Hmm. Yeah. And then, then I add another piece of tape down at the bottom of my shirt. So that's where you get the you get the movement noise from the cord moving around inside oh, your shirt. So okay. it's two pieces. You got one up top, one below. And then the transmitter goes into my pocket. On that, and that, on the tape thing, let me. Can I ask a question? Do you yeah. are you talking about tape going across, like perpendicular to the wire? Yep. So what I do is I yep. take a about a three inch piece of tape, halfway down the microphone, and go straight down the wire. So the top three inches of the wire can't move, mm. but what yeah. the bottom of the thing is probably what's causing the noise. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Yeah. Have one more okay. piece of tape. Gotcha. And it'll get rid of your your shirt noise. Perfect. So, and that's um, and the great thing about the Rode Wireless Go Two is uh, it's also recording the backup audio. So the camera screws up, um, it it's on there, and it's got like forty eight hours of backup audio. So it's not on its high quality setting, which is six hours. But yeah, so to have the backup at a lower quality, you you most people won't even notice that you're using a lower quality audio, and so. Um, and we have a two camera setup, so every once in a while we want to grab another camera, and I don't want to move the mic over to that camera, so I can just pull it off of the wireless Go Two. And the wireless Go Two, instead of recording a stereo signal, you can record two signals: one at a regular volume, and then one at a lower volume for like tools and stuff that sometimes will blow out the mic. You can then, in your audio software, go and say use channel two. It's it's complicated, but and it's rarely used. But it's one of those nice to have features. I did not know that that recorded locally. I don't think we've ever used that. But it would have yeah, saved. It's us. only on the wireless Go Two. I don't think the first version has. Yeah, it. I think that's the one we have though. Um, interesting. Yeah. Well, learning all sorts of stuff. And then one of the problems that I had with the wireless Go Two is the transmitter would have a or the receiver, one of them would have a button and it would mute it. And then the other one has a button where it would change the levels. You can actually turn those buttons off so you don't accidentally do that because I've done that a couple mm. times. And so now the buttons on the on the transmitter receiver don't do anything because I don't want them to do yeah, anything. that's smart. My yeah. big fear is every time I plug these things in and I'm trying to collect some audio, my big fear is I plug them in wrong and I get absolutely nothing. So I always test a f- bunch of times before i go for broke yeah oh yeah we're always like hey i'm like daniel we get an audio we cool like it, my it's a it's a huge fear it happens to you one time where you don't have audio yeah. for a day and then yeah you just don't trust anything ever, ever again <laughs> yeah <laughs> every time we get yeah. comfortable with it it happens so <laughs> one time would be nice but it happens <laughs> to us every six months nine months or something like that we oh. get comfortable and stop checking and then we lose a bunch but, uh, it's horrible. Yeah, and then, like if you get good visuals, like especially if it's a talking head, you like. I did it a couple weeks ago where I said the name of the product wrong, so I went yeah. back in and said it right, and it did not work at all. <laughs> 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 it did not work at all. Uh, as far as just since we're talking about microphones, I'm putting links to all this stuff in the show notes too, if anybody wants to check these out. But uh, the microphone that I'm recording on right now, it's the same one we use in our podcast studio. It's the Audio Technica 2020, AT2020, I think is what it's called. And it's a relatively inexpensive XLR mic, and there's probably a USB version of it as well, I would assume. But I think it sounds really good to have a, this type of mic on your desk. Um, and, you know, we've used it for several years now. I use it for, 
I've used it for recording like singing vocals and stuff. Uh, it's you know definitely not a high end mic, but good for uh, the price. So just that's another another audio thing that we use. Any other audio? I'm using the micro. If you guys like the sounds of me, grab my gravelly voice. <laughs> the TV show. Which we do. The TV show when we were all doing voiceovers from home to fill in seg- segments on the TV show, they sent everybody an Apogee MIC Plus. So it's a mic plus by Apogee. Mm. It's this little mic here I'm showing you guys. And that was chosen by the production company's audio guy. He said, this is the best microphone for home computer mm. use. So that's what I'm on. I can give you a non-recommendation. <laughs> this blue snowball <laughs> microphone that I'm using right now. I freaking hate this thing. Dave, you look, Dave I'm only looks using like he's at a garage sale. <laughs> <laughs> it's all taped up. Um, I'm only using it because I'm not in my office where I normally record with the, with the good but mic. But we all started with and, the blue um, microphone. I still have mine in the cabinet. I have that exact same we one. We did. Yeah. Yeah. The the cable is plugged into the back and then it's taped on there because it falls out. It'll just fall out in the middle of recording. The stand, it's missing one of the little rubber feet. Yeah. That, so that fell Scratch off. It and everything is just uh, so loose. This is just the crappiest little desk stand ever. As soon as they're done with the renovations, this mic is going to the Goodwill because <laughs> I don't want to ever use this again. Then, then we all kind of went to the Yeti, at least a lot of a lot of podcasters went to the yeti i have the yeti it's out in the workshop i still use that when my computer's out there yeah there's um there's a really good youtube channel called think media and it's a lot of like how to youtube video stuff sometimes it's analytics sometimes it's physical equipment and they've got a a handful of videos just on microphones so if you're doing microphones for podcasts microphones wireless microphones for you know video tutorials and and vlogs and things like that so i recommend checking out think media they do a bunch of really good videos Hmm. um all right so we've talked about mic stuff is there any other new since we're talking about like tech things do you have any new production stuff you got new cameras you got new lights you got new i personally i i always advocate for the dji the new dji action camera i don't think anybody is using gopro except for the people in the gopro advertisements anymore <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. We stopped using the GoPro recently because this, I have an old. Uh, it's maybe three years old. It's a Sony little ZV one. It's a little pocket Sony camera. That thing records such amazing video, mm. and it fits in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Mm. Bobby, you still using GoPros? No, we haven't used GoPro in a long time. We use the um, what's the other brand? Starts with an A. I don't know. Oh, it's uh, Osmo. No, I guess it's a DJI. Oh, know. yeah, yeah. The A. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Osmo action cameras. A yeah. for action. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've got a couple of those, like the first generation ones. Yeah. And I, have three genera- I have three first generation ones and one second generation one, which is the modular, and one third generation one. And by far, the third generation one. They're all good. But the third generation yeah. one, if you're going to get one, get third generation Osmo DJI action camera. It looks just like the GoPro. The mm-hmm. buttons are extremely responsive. I've never had a chip failure. That's the biggest problem with me and a GoPro is the chip, what do they call it? Like you, the worst thing is you shoot for a couple hours and you turn on your GoPro and it says, shows a picture of the Band-Aid and it says repairing file. <laughs> Did you ever see that? I don't think I've no. had that. Oh, it happens no. to me all the time. Maybe I just bang my cameras around. And then you hope it works and sometimes it doesn't and then it just says, is a chip oh, yeah. failure. It says chip failure. And then you lose everything mm-hmm. on it. It's like it eats and destroys its chip. <laughs> and it's not, people don't talk about it enough. Every once in a while, it's like, it's like as if mm. I'm like, I have a closet problem and occasionally I bump into somebody and I'm like, use GoPros. I hate GoPros. They eat my chips all. I'm like, Real? me too. And then like, everybody's like, I never had a problem. I've used a GoPro for a thousand years. I've never had one problem like that. So it's a mysterious mm. problem that only happens to some users. My brother, my brother John, always says people are born with car problems. <laughs> That's great. And my brother, yeah. my brother, yeah. my brother was born with car problems. I was born with GoPro problems. Mm. I, as much as uh. I want to love them, I hate them. And even once, I remember once uh, 
it was uh, Derek from Vice Grip Garage. He frustratingly posted one day. He's like, can anybody tell me an alternative to GoPro? Because he had a, a chip failure and he lost some mm. footage. And, and I texted with him privately and I was like, got to go into DJI. And that was when Generation 1 was out. Yeah. And I've never had a failure with any of those cameras. So. We, um, <clears throat> so when I was between like camera people, when I was filming by myself, I got a Rhino slider so it's like a motorized slider it goes left and right and you can set a, uh, a keyframe at one position to keyframe another and then it'll just go back and forth between the two and then since my brother is has started filming with me we still do a lot of slider shots but we took off the motor and he manually does it and so we got left to right but there's no up and down and so uh we just this is probably a shot that we're going to overuse just because it's so freaking fun but i also have one of those dgi uh gimbals like a a handheld gimbal keeps the camera steady we have one of those with an extended arm on there on a video tripod so now we can do crane oh, nice. and and um oh, wow. da, uh, jib shots so we can start below the table and because the gimbal is hooked up to this this uh video tripod it always keeps a flat front so the can you can set the gimbal so the camera is always in the same plane so then we we move the camera uh tripod up and down and the camera goes up and down so we can do these reveals from below the table saw to cool. the cut and we've been having fun with that it's 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 a it's a new thing so it's easily overdone you, yeah is it, is it called the ronin because <laughs> on the tv show they always pulled out the ronin i think it's a dji thing they put yeah, yeah dji ronin rs2 yeah, maybe rs2 and pro they, something they like that yeah mount a, a sony on it a big sony a3s body body blah, blah, blah i don't know the the sony three <laughs> same setup same setup we yeah. got yeah what is, what is the subtle difference between the sony a3 blah 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 like i never know the full title <laughs> <of this. laughs> uh, terrible so, problem we yeah. have the sony a7s3 A7S3. and then there are and then there are similar titles and one is kind of geared more towards video one is kind of geared more towards photography um and then there's like a maybe a friendlier budget one so they're all s- close in name but we have the sony a7s3 which is geared towards video and then we also have the sony fx3 which is totally geared towards video because it has mounts on the side of it and everything one day we're gonna probably in the summer we'll probably do a a video for the second channel of our ridiculous video setup, which is complete overkill for anybody who wants to do this. But it's not like we just started off on day one right. with video overkill. You build up over time and you're always looking for things. It's it's one of those diminishing returns. Like I need something that just makes my life a little bit easier. So I'm going to spend a few hundred dollars on this. And you keep doing that over time until you develop something that just totally works for you. And I don't recommend my setup for anybody because well, it's just it's, too expensive. It's one of the yeah, but it's the thing you enjoy that part of it, right? You enjoy the cameras, I do you enjoy I really the editing enjoy it. and all that yeah. stuff? And other people, all of that stuff is in the way of something else that they enjoy more. And so some people want to do the bare minimum as far as cost and quality and all that, so that they can do the thing that they care about. I mean, I have the Sony A7S three, blah blah blah, but I also have the DJI. <laughs> Three, the the, the third, the, the one I keep advocating for. I have that, the the Action 3, and my table video, for, for what it's worth, I shot the whole thing on the, the Action 3, the entire thing, except for the, the mm-hmm. beauty shots, if anybody's seen that video. The beauty shots I shot with the A7S3, blah, blah, blah. But the other one, the whole video I shot with the, with the, with the Action camera, the entire video. Because I keep it in my pocket, and I have a, a dirty grip. Every once in a while, I'll clip it on something that's standing nearby, and I'll get my, sh- I get my, or I put it on the end of a long stick if I'm going to do a boom shot. It's just so much quicker for me. Mm-hmm. It's much more spontaneous. The best camera is the one you have, is what they say. Yeah, and then I also keep a. I have my extra phone, which believe it or not, I shoot a lot on my extra phone. I have a the 14 Pro Max. The uh, the extra Pro Max double wide standard large one, whatever it is, <laughs> the most expensive one. Yeah, so I use. You that should one. really go into like marketing where you <laughs> just come up with product names for other people. Well, you know what it is. It's people. like it's like the, when you see these funny. This is my 
14 Pro Max, blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, it's great. It's great. It's got the extra lens. So I use that. It's a second phone, but it's also my, my number one backup camera. I use it a lot. Yeah. Um, the names of things are getting bananas. It's, it's like, at what point are we going to stop with the numbers and just start a new generation? It's like, you know, yeah, I was mm-hmm. thinking about that yesterday, actually. It's like Ford made the Model A, the Model B, blah, blah, and then they were just like, enough already. Now we have an Edsel. Now we have a, a the 150. Um, but that categorizes weight class, and Chevy stole and Ram stole the same thing for trucks. But when it comes to the the Sony A7S three body blah, like I go in there, and I'm just like, what's the difference? Because like, well, this is this, and I'm like, they should just name one blue, red, green, and <laughs> yeah. I get confused every time. Like I was with Zepp all weekend, and Zepp remembers all this stuff, Chris Zepp, and ten times I turn him, what is the name of the camera we have? And he said, the Sony A7S3, blah, 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 B-Z-T. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. The so- I, I'm, we're, I've been a Sony user for a long time, but the Sony camera lines is so confusing because they have so many different yeah. products. It's good and bad because you can find the one that fits your budget, but there's, one there's with so like many that it's confusing. The word Mark, Mark, like Mark Three. There's like a pocket thing that series is called the Mark I don't know if that means anything to anybody. I have that too. I, I occasionally, I, I'll tell you what, I gave up on like the little pocket cameras that you open up and the lens goes, I had a Sony one, which is still pretty good, but I also had a couple of Canons. I gave up on those because they never tend to focus on exactly what I want to focus on. They tend to like, mm-hmm. you see them go, and they're all supposed to be figured out by now in the year 2023. You're not supposed to get that anymore. But you look at your footage and the thing's going, between me and the plant over my shoulder, you know, if if the little square was in the wrong spot. (laughs) It drives me crazy. So I have these three or four, like, really high-end point-and-shoot cameras. At the end of the day, I open the iPhone, and it's the best best pocket camera available. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. It has surpassed a lot of those. no moving parts because it understands the environment. It's it knows it knows that it's looking at a person yeah. or a plant, and it's yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy. I, I just those point and shoot cameras where you like turn it on and the lens sticks out about three in, you know to an inch or whatever automatically, and then like the flash pops up. Those things seem so. That's like picking up a disc camera from 1980. Remember the disc cameras? Mm-hmm. I have one. I have a, a Kodak disc. Yeah. yeah. For those of you that that were born yesterday. A disc camera, they were all trying to figure out ways of putting film that would make it convenient to be processed and convenient. So someone's like, what if we take a three-inch disc and just like a Viewmaster, have the the negative edge? So you could take a disc and put 20 little tiny squares around the edge, and then your piece of film tapes. Is is Dave on a lavalier? (laughs) Sounds like he's... (laughs) He got up to go get something. I don't know. But I'm saying it sounded like he had a lavalier on for a minute. Yeah. He was groaning in the other room. But the disc camera puts all... (laughs) Dave's got Oh, wow. Look at that. It puts all your photographs on the edge of a circular disc of film so that when you go for your... Instead of a a bunch of strips of negatives, it's just this three-inch disc and all your pictures from your trip are on that. And they're insanely grainy because the negative so is tiny. so small. Yeah, it's like a, it's like it's a, like a quarter inch. Than a fr- yeah, it's smaller than a frame of an eight millimeter proj- film. It's smaller because yeah. they have to get Still as many. So it was like, do you want twenty four inches? Or but it doesn't matter because the whole. I'm sorry, I meant to say, do you want twenty four or thirty six pictures on that disc? They're all still the same size because that's the available space for the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. But well, now we have digital. We're, we're like 53 minutes in. Do we have any other new things that we've been trying out that we want to share or anything? Uh, totally, un- to- totally unrelated to video making. Um, Kodak just put out maybe a year ago, and I, and I got it. It's a film camera, and if you love the graininess, it actually you can, you can it cuts the 35-millimeter frame in half. So you get two photos on each 35-millimeter slide so it only uses half the frame takes a vertical photo so if you love actual film grain get this it's like i don't know it's probably 40 bucks maybe 35 bucks for this brand new kodak camera 
anyway, I remember a while back there was uh, the Olga cameras were all the rage, and they kind of oh, did yeah. that. It was like intentionally low quality with light leaks and all this stuff oh, yeah. to like plastic, give them plastic yeah. lenses. You yeah. can still get them; they sell them on. You can get them on Amazon, and they're insanely cheap. Yeah, maybe twenty bucks. It, it you know. has a specific look if that's what you're going for. Um. Let's see. Other than like that stuff, we have been. I've talked in the past about how we use Airtable for like organizing. I have a team that we all have to work on the same stuff, and we have to know where everybody's at and all that stuff. And so we've used Airtable for a long time now as kind of a project management, you know, content calendar kind of situation. You can make it into whatever you need it to be. And we've also used Notion, uh, which is more of a more of a docs app like you can make different types of docs that can be nested within other docs um, and we've used it for big you know writing big text scripts and outlines and things like that and it always bothered me that we couldn't have the doc side of things in Airtable attached to the schedule that we had and we couldn't do it the other way around but Notion has evolved a lot in the last couple of years, and now it has a bunch more built-in calendar functions, and like it's more of like a database that looks like you're working in a document, but it's actually a database, and so you can connect things more. And so I've been experimenting the last couple of weeks with moving our content calendar and all of the builds and all the stuff that we plan into Notion, and it actually does pretty much everything we need it to do now. So they're both really good mm-hmm. tools, but I'm finding that Notion is becoming more of a central place because in one place we can have a calendar view we can it can link to like a document about a build it can link to another document that's an outline for something like we've been working on this Arduino course and I was able to build the outline of chapters and all the content of the chapters and then we can also mark them up like what I've shot and what needs to be edited, and then tasks that go with it, and you know we can put all this stuff in one place rather than having to jump from tool to tool. So, if you're looking for something that kind of do all that stuff, you know, it's. I mean, you could use Google Docs the same way, I guess, if you really wanted to. But uh, for us, it's been a good tool that we were already invested in, and it's gotten better since we've been using it, which I think is really cool. So, that's my other recommendation. I say you could write everything on the back of a piece of junk mail. That's usually what I do. Yeah, you, you can do that as well, Jump. unless you need somebody else to be able to look at it. <laughs> of course. I mean, there's that, but, you know. <laughs> I'm looking around me at all my junk mail has notes on the back of it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, my desk is covered in that stuff. Like, you know, post-it notes everywhere and stuff. But when it comes to collaborating with people, like... We found so, that having a tool like that's been really handy. Um, Gary Osh, this is a friend of ours in the community. Um, and Gary set me up with a RAID or RAD, RAD system in the house. So I have 16 gigabytes in the house that's teleported to both computers that I use. So mm. I can, on any given moment, pull up an old video. My recent table video where I made the dining room table, I found the original rendered video from when I made the legs eight years ago. And it was on my RAD system, and I was able to pull it up on my computer. But in general, I always use, just giving everybody the full one, what I use, Lassies. I have probably 50 of these. The Lassie, the orange ruggeds. And I use them all the time. I use them till they're almost filled up, and then I start another one. And I try not to have anything more than two terabytes per, because I don't want to have two years' worth of video on one drive or a year worth of video. I try and break it up into a few months at a time so that I don't, God forbid, I should lose content before it's backed up. I don't lose that much content. Mm-hmm. So if, if I could turn my computer, you would see I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them stacked on top of each other right now. And every one of them's got the beginning date and the end date on them. And the way I upload content, if I go to the original upload date, if I look online, if I go to the YouTube and find that video, I'll be able to find where it is on my hard drive because I will have posted it like within that few day window. Just crazy. But that's my system. It's like public. <laughs> and when I was working with the guys at uh, when I was working with the guys at, at this old house, they gave me a, just a literally a written list. I was like, if you could, I could go. But I was like, if you guys could tell me the upload dates for each one of those videos, I'll be able to find them in my hard drive system. And I did right away. Yeah. Yeah. Because what's crazy with me is I'm an idiot. I try and remember them, but I don't. I'll be like, uh, I'm working on a metal box, so I'll say, 
metal, I'm working on a metal box, there's actually something I'm working on to potentially make a video. So I'll call it in one file a metal box, but then when I export it, I'll call it, you know, digital enclosure. So I'll have like all the files called metal box, and then when I try to go to the next step to try and remember what it's gonna, try and develop a name that it's gonna be called on YouTube, I'll get closer to the real name, and then when I publish it, I'll give it that real name. So it has three or four names in the project list. I'm just an idiot. There's no way for me to get around it. Because sometimes I will have forget what I named it there, and I'll be like, okay, past Jimmy would have named it this, but future Jimmy came up with a better idea and didn't tell past Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I like both Jimmys. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Well... Uh, anything else? And while we're on it, iMovie. Bob? Uh, Final Cut. Dave? Final Cut. There you go. Yeah. One day I'll yeah. do Final Cut. One day when I get older. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, it's we use Final Cut because we've used Final Cut. People yeah. use Premiere because they've used Premiere. You use iMovie because you've used it. I don't know. My whole life, like my whole beginning when we were pitching television shows and everything like that, I was always using... It was always using Final Cut from the beginning for years. And mm-hmm. then when I started doing YouTube, I was like, Final Cut's just a little too deep for me just because I want to make these videos fast. So I started using iMovie. And that was the only reason. Cool. Well, uh, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters while you guys figure out something to recommend. Um, big thanks to everybody. We had a couple of new people sign up this week. Big thanks to them for jumping on to support the show. Um, and you know there's a lot of people over there that help us out at all different levels and the majority of them are you know like a dollar a show which doesn't sound like much but it adds up and it's very helpful and so i want to make sure that those people at a dollar a show know that we are grateful that they're here and thankful for their support big time Uh, of course there's a people that go like way above and beyond there are top supporters and i always got to call them out to let them know that we're thankful for them as well those people are Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, um, it, who actually, Austin Albers, I just want to point this out. He's a supporter here. He's also a supporter of the Maker Alliance for I Like to Make Stuff. He sent us a care package to the office the other day with like, he turned each of us on the team a pen, made a little pen tray for the pen to go in with our name engraved on it. He sent us, he sent me uh, 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 Hot Wheels of a little Land Cruiser. He sent <laughs> stickers. He sent Josh another Hot Wheels. He sent, there's other stuff in there that I can't quite think of right now. He sent us a bunch of stuff. Oh, books from Bob Goff, who's an awesome author that he likes and I like as well. It, it was really, really cool. And it was just a nice thing to do. I don't know. He didn't have any reason to do it. He wasn't trying to get anything out of it. It was just really cool. And so I want to also say thank you here to Austin for that. But Albert's Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Maincrafting, Chad's Custom Creations, Grant from Dadcrafted, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Scott Orem, Stu Morrison, hey Stu, Warren Works, Michael Manegin, Gretchen Hofer, The Web Ranch Woodworks, and Crabtree Creative. Uh, we had some people asking about how they get on that list this week. I'm sorry that list is full, uh, and it's a lot of names. I don't want to like overdo the the number of names that we have to say every week. But uh, thank you for asking about getting on that list. So if you want to join that crew, if you want to get the after show, which is more podcast from us, you can maybe we'll get Jimmy to do like impressions with his busted voice this week. I think that would be Oh, really yeah. You can go to uh-huh. patreon.com slash... <laughs> oh, <laughs> patreon.com yeah. slash making it and, uh, and join up yeah. over there. Be very grateful. All right, what do you guys have? Uh, I'll go with. Uh, I hung out with Drew Drew Wit Wit Woodworks. If anybody, I, I sent you guys a short that he did, which is how I got his attention. He got my attention because he does a thing about how NFTs are the future for YouTube woodworkers, and it's a complete spoof. And it shows <laughs> me and Cam from Blacktail Studios and Cats uh, uh, Moses are NFTs and. It was. I, I watched it and I thought it was serious. And then when he, I said that there was an NFT that I put out, which I didn't, I realized it was a complete spoof and I burst out laughing. And uh, so that was my introduction to Drew. And I got to hang out with him at Maker, Maker Bench Con. Maker Bench Work Pond. Yeah, Maker <laughs> Bench Central Con. Yeah, so I was at Maker Bench Central Con in Atlanta and we, we had a good time. He was very, very insightful, really smart guy. He gave me some, talked a lot about 
thumbnails and titles and mm. check out what he's very funny he's also good on instagram too cool i have a good one it is okay. a channel called a chick called albert and it's a small channel with only 3.1 million subscribers but Ooh, uh his latest video is called i hatched a supermarket egg again so no i didn't know about the channel and yeah it's a it's a quail egg so apparently this channel started years ago where he brought home quail eggs from the supermarket i did which i didn't even know that you could get and put them in an incubator one hatched and then this chick became uh this quail chick became the center of this youtube channel and this guy has a farm <laughs> and a bunch of farm animals wow. and stuff and um, he did it. That one, they don't live that long. And it passed away, and it was really sad. And then he hatched another one. And it's just, this guy is so gentle, and it's just a heartwarming video. And he's got amazing, great farm animal videos. I just love it. It's just a huh. feel good channel. Wow. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so mine is not as feel good, unfortunately. Um, I just heard about this yesterday. Uh, so I don't know if you all have ever met Diana, the physics girl. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we met sometime. I don't know her well, but I've met Vid- her before. VidCon and, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Remember we hung out? And yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so apparently yesterday, Simone posted a video on the physics girl channel kind of giving a health update. And apparently Diana got covid Got married last year, got COVID pretty much right after that, and then took a turn for the worst. Long COVID sim- symptoms led to this other thing. You should need to watch the video to get all the details. I don't want to like say anything incorrectly, but she basically is has been bedridden and completely unable to do anything for a long time now. Like she has to be taken care of full time. Uh, she's in really, really bad shape. Well, and what city is she? In? She's American. Uh, sh- I I don't know. She's out in on the west coast somewhere. Okay. But I'm not really sure. But her new husband, uh, as of last year, has basically just like stopped working to take care of her full time, and she can't because she's unhealthy. She can't be around anybody else. Not only does she not have the energy, but she just they don't want to make it worse, and yeah. so she, her friends can't see her. Um, it just sounds like a really terrible situation, well, and uh, there's not a lot of anything that they can do about it, sounds like, right now. And they need help, you know, paying for stuff to keep going. And so this video is just kind of a health update from Simone about her um, and about trying to kind of promote her Patreon so that people can help, you know, keep them afloat while mm-hmm. they're getting through this and wow. stuff like that. So, um uh, just want to throw that out there for people like me who are praying folks. That would be something worth praying for. Uh, if you can financially help to kind of, you know, help her and her husband out, I think that would be an awesome thing as well. So just want to throw that out there. It's a bummer to see anybody, much less somebody that you personally have met and respect. I do respect her a lot. She does great things for education. And uh, it just, it sucks, you know, sucks to see somebody having a hard time so yeah for sure put that put that link in the show notes please go help out pass it around if you can not to end on a down note but it is a bummer of a situation that i i hope that some of us can help with so yeah uh i don't know how to come back from talking about a bummer down note like that but i hope everybody's doing well and healthy mm-hmm. and we appreciate yes. you listening and supporting and we'll see you next time Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you.